Hello and welcome to the latest England Athletics podcast. In this episode, a chance to be a fly on the wall at a winter training session inside London's Olympic Park. So you can listen and be wrapped up warm and hear me and others out in the cold. You won't have to do the training either. Sounds like a pretty sweet end of the deal, doesn't it? Being put through his paces, though, is multi-talented Newman Essex Beagles sprinter Emmanuel Sassania. Between runs, we're going to talk about his career as a fashion model, the time he met world 400-meter record holder Wade van Niekerk, his outlook on life, including his Christian faith. We'll start by hearing from Coral Nuris, a former athlete who's very experienced in talent development. She's been coaching Emmanuel since he was a teenager. Emmanuel's had a um, few years out due to injury and various other things, other commitments, and he's now coming back to training and he's fully focused now. So I'm looking forward to see what the season's going to bring. Um, yeah. We've been getting some consistent training in, whether it's with the group or without the group you and I meeting separately or you going off on your own to get the session done but he's been getting the work done which I think is really paramount to you know what we're looking forward to for next season so yeah, definitely what kind of it. commitment though does these these kind of Monday nights take you know in the middle of winter it's whether or not they want it or not they've got to come out and be committed if it's cold you've got to do it your competitors are out there doing it you've got to come out and do it we all haven't got access to an indoor track this is where it is and Got to come out and do it and done. find a way to yeah find a way to get it done um whether it's in the pool on the bike on the track and it's all second nature to you though isn't it because we're talking about this is quite an inspiring backdrop for many people but i guess to you it's just kind of like bread and butter you know what i it is bread and butter to me but i don't even notice this stadium i'm so used to coaching mm. it's just like come down get the work done as commitment if i see that they really want it i'm happy and emmanuel knows i'll give my all and come out and meet him or them whenever it's possible they can't make the regular training and then lastly what what is it like though to to sort of see an athlete from what mid-teenage years to see them grow up as well she's a a mother figure more than just training athletics coach always gives us that advice that support that we need off the track whether it's with work whether it's with studies you know she knows it's bigger than just athletics because this is just a A small part yeah, of our... Yeah, it's a package. It's family life, commitment, study, work. What is down to this? If they come here and they're not on par because they're tired from the day, we have a discussion, the session might change slightly. As long as we get, I get the volume, we can tweak it if I need to. No, I, I love the sport. I love the sport. So I always give the commitment as long as I get it back from the athletes. So tonight we've got some back-to-backs. Yeah, just that speed, but a bit of endurance as well because we're going into our down week, so we're coming towards the end of the block and then we have testing. So we normally do that at the end of like, it's normally a six-week block, maybe eight weeks sometimes. Yeah, what is testing? For the you most part, I'm doing exactly. Yeah, no, 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 no. So for the most part, you go through either like a six-week or eight-week block. It's normally the same sessions and you always have like a time that you're meant to hit. Or, and then at the end of that, we have um, a down week do something a bit different mostly more technical stuff and then we go into testing where coach could be like okay today you've got a, a 450 or you've got a 500 or you've got a 300 and it's basically just looking at like the time to see where we're at 
in our training before like, we go into the season or whatever part of the season it is, looking at things like technique, the things that we're working on, how we're actually able to implement those into our runs. In any sport, especially in track and field, the work that you put in is definitely what is going to come out, you know, so especially this time of year, it can be challenging, especially for most athletes as they're probably doing, you know, track alongside working. You're trying to survive, you're trying to make money as well when a, when a cost of living crisis. So there's a bunch of things going on in your mind. So sometimes you get to the track and you might not be in the best place mentally, physically, but you try to just find whatever you can to, you know, get you on the track or, you know, in the field to put in a, a great session or just as best a session as you can do. Not every session is going to be perfect, which is something that I'm sure most athletes and coaches understand, you know, but it's all about, you know, I think just being very aware of yourself and kind of knowing the difference between days where you're tired and days where you just can't really perform it, you know. Yeah, so at this point of winter training, we're more in our speed phase now. It's getting those legs turning, getting the legs sharp. We've kind of gone through our main part of our conditioning phase, which is like earlier on in the winter. So a lot more mileage, a lot more endurance, you know, getting fit, getting strong. For us, anyways, indoors is mainly about speed. Because you were here at the London Diamond League, I'm going to say, getting to share a sort of stage with like some of the world's best athletes and I know you, you spoke to them including Wade Van Niekerk and others what, what was that like? Because that was nice wasn't it? Yeah it was cool um, especially speaking to, to Wade Wade's a, he's a really chill guy really easy going it's funny like I'm sure he won't mind me saying this but he, I remember him saying he doesn't like the 400 he just does it because he's good at it and I was just like he says he's good at it like he's not the world record holder being really humble but yeah he, he's really cool really easy to speak to and you know I always feel like speaking to the athletes even though they're they're high profile they're celebrities in a sense you can speak to an athlete and like that's professional and it doesn't necessarily feel like you're really shy and nervous you can just go and have a chat with them and they'll just speak to you like they're speaking to anyone else so yeah it's nice. Yeah do you think that's because everyone's an individual and has to have a way to carry themselves on a, on a big stage but also has to be humble enough because they have to put in work by themselves yeah I definitely think that's that's one of the reasons and I feel like our sport is so close to home you could go to a track meet and you see one of the top athletes in the country or in the world racing there as well, they're trying to get their performances in, they're trying to get you know their training in just like you so it kind of makes you feel like okay well if they're here just as I am, it's like, okay, we're not so different in a sense. How old are you? 25. Yeah, so you have kind of come through that age where after graduating, you have had to do what you said there. You have to think about your, your living, what you're going to do. And quite interesting, you've been doing some modelling. Just tell me about, yeah, what you do and, and how you combine it and what it's like. Yeah, so I'm modelling part-time at the moment. You could say freelance in a sense. I started modelling when I was in uni but it's something that I've just continued doing and it's not what I'm doing full-time, but it can be a bit random. You get a call up for a job and then it's like, there you are in a modelling shoot and then another day you're not really getting booked. It has its up and downs. You could have periods where you're getting booked, you know, for clients consistently and then times when it goes very quiet. 
take COVID for example, not many models were getting books because obviously we were in a lockdown, you know, there's COVID guidelines, so things change. So I feel like for me it's about just having that balance and remembering even though modeling is something that I do and I really enjoy it, like you kinda always have to have something to, to fall back on just in case, you know, unless you've signed a contract. You you can look at an empty diary and you're like, ah, that, that that's yeah. not good. But you kind of have to look back and think, ah, oh, I'm sure I'm sure things will work out. Um, it's similar to, to athletics in that sense, isn't it? Um, you and Essex Beagles, though, one of the country's most famous clubs. You know, I've seen you wear the yellow and black vests, you know, with pride for a, for a lot of time. Yeah, we've got quite a backdrop here. We've got a very experienced coach as well, Coral. You've had to, some great training partners too. Uh, Elias Simmons is one, someone I saw you, you cheering on who has quite recently gone on to European Championships, European under-23s, I'm going to say. Yeah, just tell me about Newman Essex Beagles and what it's like to represent. Yeah, the club has a lot of history. Um, when I first started, I used to hear the club's name. It was probably one of the main clubs amongst some others. Morfara, Asher Phillips, you know, like some really... Rabbi Yusuf. Uh, yeah, Rabbi Yusuf as well. Even I got to compete with, with Rabbi at the, at the British League. My first ever British League, actually, Rabbi was there. And he gave me advice and he was just like, you know, give me that support. And it was nice because I was still pretty young, pretty new. You know, wasn't necessarily at the level of the British League, you know, the standard that was there. But I was given the opportunity to run and he gave me a lot of support. And I remember that year, actually, that was the year he said he was going to break 45. And he did it, made the World Championship final, you know, around 44-7, I believe. So it was crazy to me just to see like someone... Like I said before, like someone that's a professional athlete, you know, trying to make it to the Olympics, the Worlds, giving me advice and telling me what they're going to do. And then I've seen they've gone and, and done it. You know, we've got loads of young athletes that are coming through the ranks that are doing really well. And I'll definitely say that they're most probably inspired by the athletes that we have still running for the jumping. So. I try not to go down after races because when I go down it's harder to get up like and it hurts more. I try to just walk. He looks calm. Is there a glamorous way of hiding the fact that you are completely gone? All the time. Sometimes. Sometimes you can see it before the run. Who can I use an example? <laughs> you um, don't need to use a person as an example. Wade Van Newkirk. 2015, when he crossed that line and ran, what, 43-4, he had to get stretched, like a stretcher, off the track. Okay. Then when he come, comes, what, 2016 Olympics, 4303, yeah, he kept walking, <laughs> he kept walking, you know what I mean? So it's like, your body gets used to it, I guess, but, you know, it's just like, some, them, some days your body's just not with it. You're just like, I can't get up. What coach tells us, don't go on the floor straight away, especially when your competitors are there. You know, when you get around the corner and no one can see you, then you can be on the floor passed out. You know, but whilst everyone's there and you've just gone through the line, get up and walk. Keep walking, shake everyone's hand, make it seem like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not feeling any pain. As soon as you get in that corner, you feel it. All of it, man. Oh. How are we feeling? Speedy. Speedy? Again. I feel like I'm actually moving for once. Yeah. <laughs> See the, the runs that we just did, the wickets. Yeah. That's good because even though the fatigue was there, 
I was still focused on hitting the ground like what we were doing before. Alex, when are we going to get you some spikes? <laughs> Being a person of faith, what does that mean to you? Oh, I don't even know how to sum it up in a, in a small sentence or word, but yeah, faith is, faith is the be all and end all. You know, before you get to a goal or something that you want to achieve, it starts with that faith, you know, that little bit of self-belief and believing what you want to happen before it's actually happened. Have that faith that the work that needs to be done is going to be done for it to happen, for you to achieve that goal, for you to see, you know, whatever you visioned. I've always tried to always just represent what the Bible teaches and what, you know, the life that Jesus was sharing. And the main thing is, is love, you know, spread love with everyone. Don't be too hard on yourself and other people. Don't be too judgmental. We're all human. No one's perfect at the end of the day. But holding yourself accountable and also we're all on a continuous journey, always striving to be better, staying humble and, yeah, just treating people the right way. Are there ways that athletics and being a person of faith complement each other you know how do they kind of combine discipline uh faith is something that you know you have to stay very consistent in um same with athletics and sport with sport if you don't come down to train if you don't put the work in it's going to be harder for you to achieve your goal same with, with your faith if you don't take time to you know try and get in your zone spiritually you know whether that's praying or just taking time to to have gratitude coming back to the the little things the basic things that build your faith bit by bit you know it's it's easy to to say you know i have faith but if you're not practicing your faith then when your faith is being tested it's going to be a lot harder to you know actually be like you know what, i've got this you had an opportunity to to actually go and see more of some of the routes when you went to nigeria for the first time i think it was um just tell me what that was like and how it felt yeah it was it was beautiful it was beautiful nigeria is like for me anyway that's that's my culture like the funniest people ever everything about the culture is just so beautiful from you know the food to the many different languages the people waking up and having egg and bread for breakfast you know or having yam and all those things there and just seeing how how grateful like people are out there like some people are having a really tough time out there like the conditions they live in the money is really not great out there but people regardless of whatever situation they're in they always say i give thanks to god i give thanks to god for life for my health that i'm still here that i'm still able to you know keep trying to survive as best as possible are you just someone who, who can't sit still who needs to have mind body etc activated yeah, that's definitely me. Um, it's funny because I always find myself sometimes overworking myself or just going from one job to another, one thing to another. Just And even the times where I've actually found time to, to sit and do nothing, I always feel like I'm, I'm wasting my time doing nothing, that I should be doing something. So it's something that I'm still learning now, the, the silence, you know, how to cope in the silence, in a sense. Like when there's not noise around you, the same way you have to learn to, to cope with the noise, You've got to cook when there's no noise. You've got to cook when there's nothing going on at all. But the modelling is the area you have to be most confident in? Or compared um, to athletics? I'll say, say in a different sense, yes. Because it's very much face value. Whether it's a job or a shooting person. Or you have to do a self-tape and send it off or cast in. It's really much like whatever you give them is what they see. And Isn't that similar to times on the track? 
it is very similar it is very similar because yeah like if if you go in a race and you don't really run the time you're looking for or a time that you consider great it's easy to think people are looking people are going to talk regardless you know that's just life whether you run quick you know or perform well people are going to talk regardless but i think it's it's getting to a level where you're content and if it's something that's meant to be it's going to be so i try not to stress i try not to worry You know how to get the quality out of us. You oh, can't speak to everyone the same way as well. Some people you can shout at. You've got to have someone that's approachable as well. Even with the coaching, you've got somebody that you can relate to. I think the communication and the relationship with coaching athlete is really important. Yeah. Because if you don't get on and you've got a good rate, it's not going to work, is it? And you yeah. guys know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks to Emmanuel and Coral for chatting. It was interesting to hear how, for them, being in the backdrop of the Olympic Stadium felt nothing different to normal. Of course, the community track there, just down from the concourse, I'm sure many of you will know it well, and uh, wish them the best of luck for the upcoming season. Of course, plenty to look forward to with the indoors pretty much getting into full swing. That's it for this podcast. Stay tuned for more during the indoor season and keep across our website and social media pages for more news and features. For now though, thanks for listening and goodbye.